I love that Jurassic 5 song, man. It's all about working it out and making it happen. And so right now, today, I'm welcoming you, podcast and audio listeners, to The Greater Good with your host, Barton Smith. And I want to let you know that what our objective here is is just to, to spread the greater good, just to interview folks in our community that uh, have an impact on other people's lives and hopefully a positive, wonderful impact. Uh, kind of learn a little bit about them, how they came around to what they're doing in their lives and uh, what they do on a daily basis to uh, uh, improve our community. And today I have the, uh, the pleasure of having a gentleman who has been uh, working in the Argus Courier for the last couple of years in the community section. So I couldn't think of anybody that's more well-suited for this interview and this chat other than our guest, David Templeton. Welcome, David. Hey, nice to be here. Thanks for asking me. Oh, so happy to have you. Very happy to have you. So, David, do us a, do us a favor, if you would, and tell us a little bit about your background, because I know you've got a long history with the newspaper and a couple other passions. But start, if you don't mind, with the newspaper and how you ended up here at the Argus Courier. Oh, I ended up here because I was uh, working for the, the parent company, Sonoma Media Investments, which owns the Press Democrat, and the independent, uh, and the uh, in. Index Tribune. There's so many right. indie things. <laughs> the Index Tribune in Sonoma, and I uh, was writing for them okay. for about a year and a half. And then I saw that this uh, position had come up for the community editor here in Petaluma, and I live in Petaluma and have for 25 years, so oh, that God. just seemed great. And since I was in the company, it was fairly easy to make that, that switch over. And yeah. I've been uh, doing that job at the Argus for uh, almost a couple of years now. That's great. And, uh, and as we learn a little bit more about you here, I'm just feeling that the community section of the newspaper is like the perfect place for you to drop in. Is that, is that feel right? It's so perfect for me. I mean, at the other paper, I was doing uh, some hard news occasionally. And, but it was very clear that if there was something dealing with the arts or with just what cool people in the community are doing, telling yeah. their stories and profiles, that was my jam. That was the kind of thing I really loved and have a passion for. So more and more... If it was a choice of who was going to get those stories, they went to me, and the newsier stuff would go to other people. Though I, I kind of enjoyed doing stories about, you know, neighbors angry about a new stop sign or whatever, and that kind of thing. It's kind, of, it's kind of fun. And in Sonoma, that was about as hard as the hard news regularly got at that time. Yeah. Uh, at that time, well, that's great. I think uh, we're going to folks going to learn a little bit more about why uh, the arts and the community is a passion for David. But I wanted to dive in just uh, real quickly because you've been an associated with newspapers for quite some time. It's not like you just kind of like jumped into that or just fell into it, right? I mean, tell us a little bit about the very beginning, the first moment, your relationship with newspapers. Uh, well, my very first newspaper association was uh, delivering the newspaper in Downey, California, when I was uh, 12 years old, back when they had bike delivery kids right. after school. Oh, and the days. I, I did yeah, that. You might have to look that up, you know, <laughs> millennials. <laughs> you might have to get images, Google images of a newspaper boy, you know. And that was that was me. So I delivered uh, the, the paper there. It was called the, the Southeast News. And uh, and I just always loved paper. I remember my, my parents reading the paper every morning. And uh, it was just part of my life. And uh, I thought I was going to be an artist for a while, and I got into graphic arts, and so when I left L.A. and moved up to uh, this area, I was in Marin for a while, and when I was 22 years old, I applied for an artist job at the Independent Journal, 
in Marin and got a job in the production department. And I stayed there for the next like 13, 14 years. Wow. And uh, then uh, then I left that position. Some stuff happened in my life where I needed to be uh, around my kids during the day uh, and have a little more time. So yeah. I reluctantly left that position and started uh, writing and doing production for a paper that was the Petaluma Weekly News. It was Barney mm-hmm. Faust's little paper that he had. It was just down the street. And, oh, really? Um, I don't I don't recall that it, one. It was th- this kind of cool little weekly thing, that a lot of, lot of advertising and a lot of yeah. goofy little stories about stuff. And, that was great. And so I started writing that allowed me to be home and close to my kids. Yeah. And uh, then I came up with this idea of this column called Talking Pictures, where I would take cool people to movies and then talk about them afterwards, focusing on, like, their connection to it. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, and a newspaper, a weekly paper, uh, in uh, Sonoma County, uh, picked it up, and it became this syndicated thing eventually. And suddenly, I was a newspaper writer, and gradually, I, I faded out of the art side and started doing more and more freelancing. And I freelanced for years and years and years until eventually, my my first uh, long-lasting job as a, a regular reporter was with the IT. So it wasn't that long ago, but I've got lots and lots of experience uh, writing for newspapers, and magazines almost always covering the arts in one way or another. Nice, nice. Now, I understand that's because of the passion that you have for the arts as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've always always loved movies, theater, television, whatever, anything related to that. Yeah, and, and I like it all. I yeah. like opera. I like ballet. I was, I think I was 10 years old when these opera people came to Berlin Elementary School in Ontario, California, where I live. And they, they were singing songs from, uh, I think it was Madam Butterfly. And I, I just thought it was the coolest thing. I love the costumes. I love the music. So I asked my dad, can I, can I just see this opera? And it was just down the street at this theater at uh, the high school. And so he walked me down there, bought me a ticket, sent me in, said, opera's not my thing, but find your seat. Here's the number. So I went in and I watched this opera by myself. And I think I fell asleep at the end of it. I, I missed the big ending. And, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, must, I might have missed it, but how old were you? I was like uh, 11 years old. 11, okay. All right. And, uh, That's and, great you said that. And uh, my dad, uh, eventually, it was over, and he uh-huh. came and found me curled up asleep in the seat. But they did two operas a year, and every single time he would take me, buy me a ticket, let me go in and watch these. And I, I barely knew what I was watching, but it was just so cool and so intense. Yeah. And I, I just like everything. That's, that's fantastic. I love that story. So then did your passion uh, for theater, the arts, come prior to your writing? Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I, I remember being taken to plays and things. Uh, I, of course, love movies. Yeah. That, that was a time growing up when parents could take their kids to the movies on Saturday and drop them off there. Yeah. And they would watch a movie, and then they would watch the double feature, and then the first feature will come back around and you'd watch that one again. Yeah, and right. basically you'd be there for six or seven hours and uh, then your parents would pick you up. And yeah. I mean, <laughs> those days are so gone. But, so I saw all for a buck, all <laughs> kinds of stuff. And, and my parents, you know, were very uh, liberal in how they uh, interpreted what was acceptable for a kid. Sure. You know, it's like, it doesn't sound too bad, and besides, I, I've got work to do in, in, in yes. with a good double feature. So I saw yeah. some really weird movies put together. So, if you may, I, what, uh, or if I may, I guess, what, what uh, year was that? Uh, or, you know, the era. The, that was the 60s and 70s. Okay. All righty. 
Okay, excellent. Yeah, because I, I feel like um, as a community, we you know keep an eye on each other and, and and being warm and alert and aware that you know kids can still hang out down at the movie theater a whole bunch. You know, I've got a thirteen year old, so I'm I'm hoping that that she can. Um, probably not as easy as you and I sticking around for the next set of movies or bouncing into the next. Uh, Double <laughs> features were so great. <laughs> Double features were just the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, yeah, excellent. All right, so so uh, passion for theater came first, and then writing kind of evolved from that, and then you started to blend them together, right? Yeah, well, I, I always kind of had a knack for writing. I always enjoyed that. That was one of the things that I got good grades in. I was fairly creative. Um, and then just because I saw all this stuff, it I, I didn't know how to write a movie, but I could kind of figure out how to write a play. So I wrote my first play, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. in second grade. Uh, it was um, a short thing. It was basically Snow White from the point of view of the dwarf Grumpy because I decided I wanted to play Grumpy. And so I called the play Grumpy, and I wrote this play. And I, I asked my teacher if we it. could do it. And it's okay. So I got some friends, and here, you, you be dopey, and you be sneezy. And we just sort of sat there and stumbled around and read this thing. And, you know, I got some applause at the end. And that was it. I was, I was hooked. I was going to write plays. Applause. I'm sure for the quality of writing, but the appreciation for the effort, I'm pretty sure was... Uh, a round of applause for that. I, I think they, it was kind yeah. of vaguely subversive, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And Grumpy, what was your connection to Grumpy at that time? I, I, I think I'd seen the movie, and, and I thought... Grumpy the movie? Yeah, no, I'd, <laughs> I'd seen Snow White the Seven Dwarfs. And, and you know, everybody loved Dopey and yeah. Bashful, and, and Grumpy just... Was getting gypped. He was getting, yeah, <laughs> totally. I thought, look, I want to know what that guy's story was. <laughs> Poor guy, got the, he got the apple core, man. That's all he got out of that. Yeah, he... he, he they had some of the best lines in that. Yeah. And, you know, Dopey doesn't even speak, and everybody loves him. Yeah, so. yeah. So I great. just, I, I guess that was kind of subversive. I take one of the least likable of the, the dwarves, and I said, I am going to tell a story from this point of view. Right. <laughs> Were you bullied in second grade by the chance? Oh, I was bullied all through school. Aww. Absolutely. Great. I was, yeah, I was... I've, I've written plays about that. <laughs> Good. Some healing. About yeah, because yeah. Yeah, bullying stinks. Bullying's lame. I, I was bullied and then bullied people for, you know, a little time period in, in high school. First as the bully? Bully? No. What, did, what, did, what would the version be where you're bu- the one being bullied? The bully. The bully. <laughs> bullied. Bullied. Yeah. And then, uh, really, and then bullied a little bit and then realized uh, very, very, very quickly thereafter that uh, that did not feel good, did not fit me well, you know. So um seen both sides of that myself, actually, as well. See, I could, I could just never pull off the bully side of things. I was yeah. never, never big enough. Um, and by the time I, I got tall in high school and I was technically sort of imposing, I just didn't think that way. I was still, yeah. you know, a quiet, nice little person down deep, even if I looked a little bit more intimidating. Yeah. yeah. I was always a little bit the leaner, a little bit the smaller guy, and so I don't know if I was trying to be cool or connect with some other guys or something like that. Well, the, um, the worst bully I had was a very, very short little guy, and he's just real yeah. intense, and just, I think that's how he survived in a tough tough world is he just was as mean as he could be to anybody he could get away with. It with. Right. Well, it's really interesting because it, it, it seems to me quickly thereafter in high school that, that that like real empowerment came from loving people up and, and being gracious and kind and giving. It just made me feel stronger and better and better. And I just kind of got addicted to, to that. 
you know, and so it's, it'd be really cool if there was some way to help the youth see that the empowerment, uh, you know, it really is in the graciousness and the giving and the acceptance, um, you know. Well, there, there are some benefits, I suppose, in being the bully in terms of, um, you know, you're, you're not as likely to be bullied, but there is a big cost in yeah. taking that approach because yeah, you may be, quote unquote, safe, but you lose a lot of uh, connection and humanity and good things, and it's uh, it's better to just kind of try to stay a good, caring person. I think. Yeah, I think so. But it's yeah. it's hard. I mean, growing up is such a tough thing. Yeah, and it seems like the disconnect is happening um, even more with the social media and the quick flipping of the phone because the emotions never have really time to settle in. You yeah. can see one story after the other with no emotional connection. It just flip, 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 flip. Um, and so uh, I think that's another. It's it's. Uh, obviously, a bit of a uh, divergent path from, from where we were headed with art and passion and writing in newspapers, but intensely important subject uh, as well, and to try to communicate to some of the youth and adults as well. I mean, you know, could be on the freeway, could be on the road, could be, you know, like cut in front of somebody in line or something like that, you know? Well, I actually think they're really connected. I mean, yeah. what, what are the arts except a way of expressing all the different aspects of our humanity mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to be able to channel your feelings, whatever they are, and at whatever age into some artistic pursuit, it's so much healthier than a lot of other things. And, and for a lot of people, over and over for centuries, it's been life-changing and life-saving. Mm-hmm. So I think as an arts journalist, helping to tell the stories of the artists in our community and the people in our community in artistic ways, I think that that's uh, a really, really important and valuable thing. It might not be as sexy as doing the hard news where mm-hmm. there's breaking stuff and everybody wants to know about, you know, the, the, the big crime that took place and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's an important part of humanity as well. And you need artists that can, or you need uh, journalists who can tell those stories in compelling but factual ways. But just to tell the stories of the people who are trying to make sense of their own lives by painting or doing puppet shows or radio shows or writing plays or yeah. performing in plays or whatever it is, I think that's a really vital part of being a human being. Yeah, I, I still 100% agree. As a matter of fact, it's it's uh, the analogy for me really quick because I'm this proponent. I really, really would love to see community uh, communication and relationships taught as core curriculum in school. And I, and I know that it's there and not even kind of in a de facto mode, but it's there by nature of, you know, project-based learning and some other avenues and the association with social um, environment that you're there at school. But I'd like to see them like as a core curriculum, you know, and, and it seems to me that's kind of what you're doing. I mean, but sorry, really quick, let me go back. Because obviously every single day, we do, you know, have relationships. Every single day we have communication. Every single day we're engaged in our community, right? We're not always doing the, you know, algebra or the calculus or the sciences or something along those lines as just community members and family and things like that. And I'm not saying that they're not important, but it's like the hard news and then the art news, right? You're saying the hard news. The hard news for me feels a little bit more like, you know, the science and the calculus class and, and chemistry and things like that where, you know, a lot of us aren't going to use those every single day. But every single day, we do use communication, relationships, and community. Like, And so I think that your newspaper section, the community section of the newspaper, is intensely important. And, and I would imagine got to be a pretty popular section of the newspaper because it is having that impact, I think, keeping people connected to each other. 
Yeah, well, I, it does seem like a really popular thing. We get a lot of feedback. I have a lot of people who respond to the stories that we do. Uh, we've been trying a lot of new things. I don't know if, uh, how many people actually read the paper, um, and hopefully they actually subscribe and read it hard copy. I like to tell people that uh, the hard newspaper is kind of like uh, vinyl now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you, you can get the same thing, the, the same stories online, and you can download them. But to read it in the paper, that's where you get the real thing with the grooves and all the yeah. pictures arranged in an artistic way. Tactile it's a, it's a really much richer experience. Yeah. And we put that together with a lot of artistry. And the photos just look so great when they're arranged with the text wrapping around them. Stuff that you don't get when you just get the raw text yeah. with a photo attached. Yeah. Um, but we, some of the things we've been trying since I've been there, they've been so cool about letting me just experiment with the section. Uh, we've been introducing some occasional fiction to it. For Halloween, we had a contest the last two years. People could write scary stories, and we ran the best ones. Nice. Uh, right now, I've got a fiction story, a five-part Christmas serial, this tall tale about hermits at Christmas time. And it's uh, this this Thursday, we've got, uh, I think, the fourth of five pieces. And I've been getting some feedback from people saying, I don't know how this story is going to turn out. It's crazy. <laughs> so that's like back nice. to the days of Dickens when they used yeah. to have serials at Christmas time. That's how A Christmas Carol started. It was nice. every week in a newspaper. So um, I'm, part of the, I'm part of the Petaluma radio players. I am. And you talk about items like this or, you know, stories like this, and I get all fired up. I'm like, oh, gosh, you should read that out loud. Just as the table's reading, you know, oh, or something. It's, like it's, a, it's great. It's fun. Yeah. I, I mean, I do a lot of spoken word stuff. Yeah. Just last yeah. night we did this Twisted Christmas show that I do. I, I did every year for 10 years and then put it away and just brought it back after six years, which basically people on stage uh, reading stories, off-the-wall Christmas stories. Perfect. And I've done a lot of that kind of spoken word shows, uh, live shows. We One time we did a thing where we took the entire White Album and I asked 12 of the best actors in the area to take two or three songs from it and perform them as monologues. Mm -hmm to uh, do every single word, create a character, put on a costume. And we had people doing Dear Martha as like to talking to their dog. We had somebody uh, doing Helter Skelter like a mad bomber at a party. It was crazy, the creativity. That's fun. Some of it was hard because some of those songs yeah. are just like one phrase over and over and over again. Like, right. Why don't we do it in the road 46 times? How, how do you do a monologue with just the repetition? Bring it. All I'd want to do is try it. Bring it. So <laughs> the, the actress who did that decided that she, uh, she would do it while putting on her makeup in a mirror, like preparing for a date, and her big line was going to be, why don't we do it in the road? So she's practicing it, doing it all kinds of different ways with different intonations. Yes. It was hilarious. And it's, it's just so cool to take... Um, the printed word yeah. and turn it into something like like you yeah. guys do with the radio player. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's such a treat. I love diving into the character and the person and then looking for the givens in the, in the story, you know, that you can extract and start to add the color and dimension to the character uh, to avoid that repetition reading yeah. and things like that. So, yeah. well, so you've got, you've got um, other stories because now you've been, okay, so you wrote for the newspaper, you wrote um, as well for um, uh, art reviews, right? I, can't, I don't recall which newspaper that was for, but... Uh, that was for the North Bay Bohemian. Okay, for, Bohemian. for many years, I was, I was their theater critic for okay. six, 16 years. Okay, great. So, so writing, uh, theater passion as well, or art passion for the arts when you're younger, and that continues to evolve, and then they, they begin to meld. It just feels like to me they just begin to meld more and more, 
and now you're uh, you're also writing. Well, not now because obviously you did it when you're in second grade as well. <laughs> grumpy, but you're writing stories and producing them as well. And tell yeah. us a little bit about about that. That what whatever is the most important or tangible or next upcoming event for you. Well, you know, for years in newspapers and working um, at the IJ and some of these other papers, I was on swing shift. So. Well, I had, as a teenager, been involved in theater. I started my own theater company, and it was, we did puppetry and all kinds of stuff. Mm. Uh, I had to stop that when I started working from 3 in the afternoon till midnight, uh, including on weekends. So you, you can't do theater then. So yeah. I put yeah. it away, and I kind of thought I wasn't going to do it anymore. And then I, I, I got sent on an assignment to cover an audition for a show at the Santa Rosa Players, and uh, I thought it would be fun to audition myself just to write about the color of what that's like. And I got cast in a play. And I said, no, I'm not actually auditioning. I'm just doing a story. And they went, we want you anyway. And so suddenly that's I was... That's the key to one of the auditions of Ed Tricks, by the way. We just pretend like you don't really want the part. Okay. <laughs> I've heard that from national commercials to auditions. You just kind of go in and do your thing. That's pretend it, like you don't well, need it. It certainly worked because I was, I was kind of flummoxed that that happened. <laughs> and so suddenly I was, I was one of three people in the Reduced Shakespeare Company's, you know, complete works of William Shakespeare abridged. And, yeah. and then I just kept getting offered parts and... But all, all along, I'd been talking about these stories I wanted to write about being bullied as a kid and some of the things that happened to me growing up in high school. And I had one in particular. I was constantly telling my friends stories about, oh, yeah, I'm working on this one-man show about my high school days. And I finally had some friends say, we're so tired of you talking about this and never writing it. So we booked a hotel room. You're going in three days. Your wife's okay with this, and you can't come out without something. Western. Yes. <laughs> and, and we've invited people over to your living room in six weeks to hear the first draft of your play. Mm. And it's all oh, good. Really? Friend. So, yeah. So suddenly, right and, and they said, and by the way, yeah. we're producing the play. So, so suddenly, I had this wow. one-man show that I was being forced to write, and... Uh, three years ago, I took it to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in Scotland and performed it there for three weeks. Yes, of course. Why wouldn't you produce it in Scotland after you write it in Edinburgh? Well, that was, I'd heard that's the place that you go with a one-man show. <laughs> they love Grumpy over there. <laughs> I probably would have done better with Grumpy, but you have to fight so hard to get an audience. But it was, it was an amazing experience. So since then, they, like, unblocked the dam, my friends did, right? And so mm. I've written six or seven plays since, um... I went through a period of time when I, I wasn't working so much and I was sort of depressed and I, what am I going to do? Well, I know, I'll, I'll write a novel. Mm. It turned out to be a novella about Mary Shelley and Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. It's called uh, Mary Shelley's Body. And it got published. There's a, a local publisher, Word Hoard Books. If you haven't had that guy, right. Ross on... Uh, Ross Lockhart. Yeah. He runs it. They, they do exclusively horror and fantasy. On it. And so he heard about this, and he said, I'm, I'm doing this anthology of stories inspired by Frankenstein. It's called Eternal Frankenstein, and your Frankenstein thing would be so cool for it. And so that published, uh, I think, three years ago. And then I adapted it into a one-woman show, which had its premiere last October, performed by uh, Sherry Lee Miller as Mary Shelley's Ghost. And now I've got another play coming up uh, in next June at uh, Left Edge Theater about uh, kind of a spoof of the men's movement. But right now, uh, a one-man show I wrote and performed a couple times myself, Polar Bears, it's an, another way that I'm evolving. Uh, I've got a production of it running down in San Rafael at the cool Bell Rose Theater. All right. And Bell I'm Rose, that's the Bell Rose. The Bell Rose, thebellrose.com. 
Okay, cool. It's a uh, it's it's a one man show, yeah. but this time I'm not the one man. This time I'm directing. Ooh, get to sit in the house. Yeah, get to watch it. Well, I'm up in the booth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm running the sound for it. But oh, you are. Yeah, but this is oh, this is cool. it's a true story. A lot of which yeah. happened in. Petaluma, and I mentioned some actual places that were in Petaluma, including Marisa's Fantasia. I actually have a column about that. Check out the paper, the uh, Culture Junkie column. There's a cool story about something that happened to me and my kids at Marisa's Fantasia 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's a story that's in this in this play called Polar Bears. It's about um, me raising my kids during a difficult time and becoming mm-hmm. increasingly obsessed with Santa Claus. Nice. And this one revolves around an angel in your life. Well, th- there's one story yeah. that, that deals with a Christmas angel. It's mostly about how after stopping believing in Santa when I was four, because my parents were sort of sloppy with uh, mm. the details of Santa in our <laughs> lives, I became a doubter early, and I vowed that would never happen to my kids. And right. so I became so obsessed that a bunch of unpredictable things happened, and that's what the play's about. Yeah. It's a really great holiday story with some tears and a lot of laughter. Oh, fantastic. And so what's, what's the run? What are the run dates? Well, it's got two more performances down there this Friday and Saturday. Okay. Showtimes are at 7.30. You can find tickets on brownpapertickets.com. Just type in Polar Bears, and all the info about the play will come up. And then there is uh, one final performance on December 23rd at Left Edge Theater up at the Luther Burbank Center for the Arts. And that's at 7 o'clock on Sunday, the 23rd, starring Chris Schlemp, uh, directed by me. So I hope it's uh, just one of many that I get to direct. Yeah, how neat for you to be in a different uh, seat, Uh, although the techie seat at the moment, running the sound booth and all. but uh, Doing it all. Yeah, 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 I'd love that. So, um, Polar Bears. Polar Bears at the Bell Rose, and then on the 23rd at Left Edge. That's this this weekend. This weekend for the last two down there in in San Rafael. Yes. Okay, good. Well, all you San Rafael audience members, I hope you're out there. I'm going to get over there and check that out. Excellent. Well, do me a favor. Tell me tell me some of your favorite things about Petaluma and maybe mix in on a positive edge, you know, something you'd like to see more of in Petaluma as we wrap up the next minute or so. Got to click on that? Uh, favorite things about Petaluma, there are so many. I mean, I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere in my life. Yeah. Um, I've moved around a lot as a kid. I, some of the things that I initially fell in love with here was uh, the the coffee shops, which were different than the ones down in Marin. I mean, coffee yeah. shops are coffee shops, but no, there's some, there's an energy here that I really loved. I love going in and just talking to people and working on things. Uh, I love the river, even the slough, even even without any water in it right now. I love that river. Right. I love places like Marisa's Fantasia, where you can just have these encounters with people that are extraordinary. Um, and that place has always seemed so magical to me. And uh, and there's, there's just, and I love Cinnabar Theater. Yeah. I mean, Cinnabar is oh. just such a great landmark. There's so much magic made up there. They do great work up there. And I call it, I call it living room theater. You sit in the house with your feet on the stage, a glass of wine in your hand, yeah. and a brownie in your other hand, and just enjoying theater. Good quality. And they do opera, which yes. is awesome. And you yeah. down and dirty, right in your face opera. The, the little eleven-year-old in me just loves it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it does. Feels like 11 inside me, sometimes 18 year old inside. Keep that youth, always keep that youth alive in you. Reach out to the arts as much as possible. David Templeton, a fabulous guest, a contributor to the community. Thank you so much for all the work that you do, and we look forward to seeing your shows. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. Take care. Goodbye, y'all. Have an absolutely wonderful, wonderful day.